Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone. This is Greg Masters, your host, sound engineer, and uh, shall we say um, problem figure outer today. I'm trying to get Dr. Jan Sidorov on the line. Um, We're having a little issue with Skype. Please call in. (laughs) Okay, let's see. Okay, Yanni there. Here I am. Okay. (laughs) So, um, first off, uh, thank you for joining me on very short notice. um, But uh, we have a a very timely, uh, we have a a very timely update today in, in, shall we say, accountable care, as measured by all of the recent activity around the political, shall we say, theater in Washington, which, <laughs> um, uh, which, if 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 it hadn't uh, uh, preempted the drama around the the rollout of the exchanges, uh, uh, so the, there may have, Ted Cruz may have actually given uh, the Obama administration, including Secretary Sebelius, a whole lot of cover because there's a lot going on in terms of implementation of health reform, particularly on the exchange level. And I'm on your blog, and I just uh, heard uh, the Aetna Talks exchanges piece that Mark Berlini <laughs> gave to CNB. So, so let's just reroute the conversation since we're getting a late start. This is Greg Masters, and you're listening to This Week in Health Innovation. And my guest today... Uh, last-minute guest who uh, we connected on on Twitter, and I'm very grateful for that, is Dr. Jan Sidorov. And let me tell you about Dr. Jan Sidorov. Dr. Jan Sidorov has the web persona, now this is from his blog, he has the web persona of a blog vocateur with a wide range of knowledge about the medical home, disease management, population-based health care, and managed care that is only exceeded by his modesty. He has been quoted by the Wall Street Journal, Consumer Reports, and NPR's All Things Considered. He has over 20 years' experience in primary care, disease management, and population-based care coordination. He's a primary care general internist and former medical director at Geisinger Health Plan. He's a widely sought-after speaker, and we're fortunate to have him here today. He's a PA, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania-based, and uh, he's active in social media and publishes the uh, popular blog, Disease Care Management Blog, so check it out on the web. So with, <laughs> with that as a, 
a, a, a quick overview, Jan. Uh, the last time you and I spoke, I had the benefit of, of, of listening to it just yesterday. Uh, we spoke in, in 2011, and it's amazing the clarity that you had as to what we could look forward to as many of those bumps in the road have actually been witnessed. So let's start today. <laughs> what are you seeing Great. and what do you make of what's going on right now? Talk about it. You mean in uh, in Washington and uh, and all the political theater that's going on? Well, let's just absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, from 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 your perch, um, um, start with the exchanges. What are you seeing? Let's maybe get rooted in health reform implementation and and, and yeah. what does this all say? I mean, what, what, those of us who are trying to do something here to be proactive instead of obstructionist. You know, what should we make of, the, let's just talk about the latest, the failure for the smooth rollout of these exchanges, particularly at least the federal version. Well, you know, I was a medical director in a, in a relatively small, uh, mono-state, uh, not-for-profit health plan with just over 200,000 uh, enrollees. Uh, that was in our neighborhood. It was in our, you know, um, uh, I, I forget how many counties that we're in, but you know, it's, uh, whether it was 19 or 25, I, I, I don't, I don't frankly recall. But I remember how notoriously difficult it was, uh, and even though I that that um, uh, that wasn't part of my portfolio, but I remember rubbing elbows. Uh, with administrators and experts whose job it was was to get the enrollee information in, adjudicate uh, all the things that you need to collect to verify uh, their insurability, to verify their age, their employer status, um, you know, who their uh, physician was, you know, all those details for a tiny little plan uh, located in central Pennsylvania was something that was uh, not an easy thing to do. And as you, can as you can imagine, if you're insuring, you know, a 50-person or a 100-person employer, uh, and they're hiring and firing and people are leaving and, you know, folks are shuttling in and out, babies are being born, folks are getting married, people are coming in and off of the insurance rolls. Uh, that is a full-time job, you know, for a health plan to, keep, to stay on top of that. You want to know who you are insuring and you want to know who you are not insuring. And anybody... Uh, in the commercial insurance industry, um, who knows anything about insurance, would have would have been able to figure out months ago that the that what the feds were doing uh, on the exchanges sure sounded great in principle. You know that it was going to be the Expedia of health insurance. You could log on, you could uh, scroll through all these options, and then and then uh, pick the best plan for you. Uh, it, it was never going to be that simple. It wasn't simple for uh, the tiny little plan that I was in. It was not simple for Aetna. Um, and it wasn't going to be simple for, for the feds. And I'm um, surprised that um, 
that that they kept that you know Miss Sibelius kept saying that everything was on track when you know just based on my own intuition I would have been very surprised if this had gone had, had gone well so let me uh, ask you this I believe Pennsylvania is is considered for the most part a quote blue state but I, if I recall correctly there's a Republican governor in there and last I uh, recall is there was some question as to whether Pennsylvania was going to let the feds do it or create their own exchange or are you, are you dialed into the, the Pennsylvania drama is there is there any unique strain there yes uh, you know we're we are truly I think I think of ourselves as truly a purple state I mean we have Senator Toomey um, you know who's no shrinking violet when it comes to um, uh, Republican <laughs> issues and then we have uh-huh. uh, Senator Casey, um, mm-hmm. who is as blue as they get um, in terms of you know supporting uh, cherished democratic causes. Um, other other uh, outside his outside his uh, his his faith leading him to to vote one way when it comes to uh, to uh, pro-choice issues. Um, so so we have we have Toomey and we have Casey. Right now, the Republicans are in charge of uh, both chambers in the in the uh, in our in our assembly, the Senate and the uh, and the and the House, and we have a governor and we have a a, a Republican uh, we have a Republican governor, and the Republican governor uh, chose not to have a state-run exchange, but to rely on the uh, on 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 the on the feds, and I can tell you that personally, I've you know as a small business owner. Um, who, who has to buy my own insurance? I've tried to get on those exchanges uh, because that's what I was promised, and I haven't had any luck. And of course, some of these uh, uh, news outlets, uh, CNN as an example, had had a reporter, one of their health desk reporters, assigned to that beat, and I got, uh, I think over a two-week period calling at all hours of the day and early morning. She was trying to get on and still hadn't gotten on and then eventually got on, and I don't know that she was able to actually transact her application. So obviously it's, it's, it's a mess. And uh, second only perhaps to the sacred cow of defense, one would think the IT subcontractor world in the Beltway Bandit crop uh, do pretty well at procuring large federal contracts for large IT projects, and healthcare has to be a giant consumer uh, inside that that circle. And I'm just, uh, you know, I, I I tweeted the other day. I said, you know what? This is I've been an advocate and an explainer and a defender of the Affordable Care Act from from its pre-launch, pre-legislative days of being vetted in the Senate Finance Committee, and I've been in this position as an uncompensated, just citizen, Greg Citizen, who's been defending this complex act, flawed as it is, hey, let's make it work. And you know what? This healthcare.gov thing threw me over the top. It's indefensible, and the fact that the IT people get fat and happy around these huge contracts, and they couldn't figure it out, I'm just, I don't know, I'm, I'm a little demoralized myself. Uh, well, the good news, Greg, is that for bloggers like you and me, this is this is mother's milk. Um, I'm, I'm, 
I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm optimistic that eventually uh, the kinks uh, will get worked out. Uh, but I think the 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 broader message here is is I think what the the, the lesson from the exchanges is is that running an insurance plan or running insurance plans in the in the commercial setting uh, is not like uh, Medicare so much, where um, you know the claims come in. Uh, and, and you pay them, the feds are in control, but when you have all these uh, moving pieces and all the, all the things that commercial insurers need to do uh, to, to, to you know, guarantee insur- insurability, um, the, the, the complexity is logarithmic. And there really is something of a, of a gap between lofty campaign promises and hard bureaucratic reality. Um, getting from here to there is, is still going to be a very, very, very bumpy road. Oh, that's very well said, and all the more reason why it's, I'm so passionate when these ideological sound bites, which dumb down a very complex ecosystem to a set of talking points more often than not that are off base, it just gets my cackles up. <laughs> so, yes, you're right. As bloggers, uh, uh, we have a lot to write about. So I, I, in an earlier show this morning, I talked to my colleague, co-founder over at Health Innovation Media, Deck, uh, Dr. Pat Salver, colleague of yours in the uh, uh, fellow internist and uh, uh, ED physician at Kaiser for many years, went into medical administration at a number of plans. So similar pathways to you. And, and we were talking about her evolution and interest as a physician from from clinical to medical administrative to social media to digital health, adaptation, technologies, and all this stuff. And we kind of came to, well, what's the significance of all this stuff from the point of view of of an accountable care organization or the goals of the Affordable Care Act vis-a-vis accountable care? You know, how can anyone argue with accountable care? I mean, who, who, who can actually argue in favor of unaccountable care. So what we, the conclusion we, we kind of came to was that the elements or the indicia of what constitutes an accountable entity is something like a Geisinger or a Kaiser or where you have an integrated delivery system that is both the health plan and the delivery system and there's an alignment between the respective wobbly parts of, of the stool outside of integrated delivery systems. So, let, I mean, I'm, I'm curious about where you're at in, t- in your thought process and everything that you've seen unfolding uh, as to, is that the correct conclusion? Or is, is, is Geis, the Geisinger model, uh, you know, the integrated delivery system, the, 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 the bundled program like Proven Care, is that where we're going? Or have you in any way changed in your view? I'm less sanguine about that, and the reason I am is because uh, the Kaisers and the Geisingers of this world um, are right now have a footprint in our nation's healthcare delivery system of less than one percent, I think, if you call if you look at all the covered lives out there, um, and it's not like we can put put uh, institutions like Kaiser 
into a um, in, into a into a, a replicator machine and and drop them into uh, downtown LA or put them into uh, in, in, you know into Alabama or to or all the other states that they that they should be that they should be in you know uh, so the question is how do we take independent private practices uh, or smaller physician-owned practices or large physician practices, many of whom are in these alliances with different hospitals, and work up these virtual arrangements that, that get them as close to being as Geisinger as, uh, as possible. And that's what accountable care organizations are, are all alike. Unfortunately, in my eye, uh, there are some issues uh, pertaining to central command and control that Geisinger's and Kaiser's have, not the least of which has to do with uh, in-house management of insurance risk. They have their own separate insurance companies, and they have the in-house intellectual capital to understand the basic fundamentals of risk transfer that isn't resident in you know, hospitals that are affiliated with physician groups and these uh, virtual contractual relationships where um, that kind of uh, critical mass when it comes to understanding insurance risk and, and managing that really, um, really is resident in being able to enable these organizations to do, to, to do the necessary stuff to increase quality and to do so without uh, breaking without breaking the bank so let me make sure I understand here it's it's more about this logarithmic complexity than it is well this is not necessarily the model that needs to be migrated throughout the country in a uh, you know it, it, it's a good model it just isn't apparently uh, self-replicating out there uh, because you just don't it isn't a top-down thing of dropping it in Des Moines, Iowa, and having it prosper and grow out—is is that what you're saying? Right. I mean, I mean, if the if the markets, if, if the market, and, and there's still something of a, of a healthcare market out there. If the value proposition was so compelling, uh, then doctors and hospitals and 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 the, and the counties that they serve would have coalesced into into these Geisinger organizations year ago, years ago. And they and they haven't, and the question is, why haven't they? That's one question. But the other question is, if you does an ACO get you to where you need to be to to execute on that on that Geisinger model? And I have my I have my doubts about that. Now, you know, so the question is, well, Jan, you know, and you've pointed this out to me. Well, Jan, you know, what do you want to do then? You know, if you're going to be if you're going to be dumping all over the ACO. Uh, model and its um, questionable ability to to deal with um, you know reconciling insurance risk with costs and quality, then what do you, what do you want to do? And th- I would point out that while Geisinger had was a very very strong template for accountable care organizations, it also was a very very strong template for another model of care, and that is. The, the, the regional not-for-profit health plan, that contract that, that called Geisinger Health Plan, that, and Kaiser has the, same, has the same kind of model, that contracts with both 
um, uh, the organization, uh, but also contracts with outside physicians that are unaffiliated with the organization. So when I was at Geisinger, we affiliated with, but we, we contract with both Geisinger physicians as well as non-Geisinger physicians. We knew the neighborhood. We knew what insurance risk was all about. We knew, you know, we kind of knew who were the good doctors and the, and, and the bad doctors. Uh, we practiced enlightened utilization management, you know, and thanks to all of that stuff, we, we, I think we took good care of our patients, and we did so without you know, ruinous um, uh, costs and without, you know, uh, having CEOs who had, you know, private jets and, and offices festooned with real, thick, with real thick carpets and, you know, pricey paintings on the wall. Uh, yes, the nonprofit community-based HMO. Do any of them ever still exist these days? Yes, that's that, that's a good part of the DNA of the culture that works. Um, let me throw a, a few things out at you uh, as potential and run. Let, let's just arguably assume the integrated delivery system model complexity notwithstanding is, is probably the direction that we want to go in because the other argument for that is, hey, Vertical integration too big to sail, too bit you know too expensive in terms of uh, pricing leverage to uh, that, that does, doesn't work in the Affordable Care Act uh, way. But is direct practice is that an end run around an IDN or an ACO model, or do you see it as adding something to the to the transformation? Well, you know, here's the, here's here's the thing. Uh, I I I kind of I'm a believer in letting uh, a thousand flowers bloom. You know, uh, I think there's merit to the direct practice model. I think there's merit to you know employer-based uh, networks with or without you know an insurance uh, company that is, uh, you know, either in a TPA arrangement or running their network or being more closely, more closely aligned. Uh, I think integrated delivery networks um, work. I think small regional health plans work. Uh, I think in some areas virtual arrangements that are ACO-like will work. Um, the question, you know, what works in Minnesota, Minnesota seems to be working very well. Uh, we have a problem in downtown LA, you know, thanks to thanks to, to, to poverty, the pernicious effects of, of, of poverty and, and racism that's going on. Um, you know, so so the, the question is, what works locally? What works culturally? What's the what's the best fit? You know, regarding you know the boots the boots on the ground, which leads me you know to 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 wonder whether or not. You know the the tent that currently comprises Obamacare is sufficiently inclusive enough in being able to accommodate you know all these different variations out there. The health insurance exchanges certain would would say that they're not. You know the question is politically, you know uh, whether or not uh, whether the exchanges are, are are characteristic of what's going on or or whether or not Obama Obamacare can really pull. Uh, pull things out and 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 make it work, you know, giving cu- cultural and local um, variations. So, How I in the in the thousand flower bloom metaphor, and particularly since you 
written called some attention to Michael Millinson's piece on, you know, still demanding excellence 15 years later, the whole quality thing, that's out there. How does maybe a direct practice model, which is less constrained by maybe standards and protocols, how does that fit in with uniformity and, and, the, and the promotion of quality agenda? Well, let me let me let, let me let me dial down and then step step back a little bit. Uh, when you dial down to a specific clinical problem, like for example, diabetes, you know, national guidelines say that there should be a certain level of diabetes control. You know, you should have an A1C, which is a, a metric of overall blood sugar control. You should have an A1C, like, of 7. But the thing is, though, that not all patients want to have an A1C of 7. There are some patients that, that are really believers in tight blood sugar control, and then there are other patients, particularly elders, who, you know, are saying, Doc, you know, why, I don't want to take all these pills, and so what if my A1C is 7.3 or 7 I mean, that's a real, that's a real conversation. So from a, from a top-down approach, everyone should have an A1C of 7, where in the real world, in the, in the real world of clini- clinical practice, you know, the range of acceptable blood sugar control can run from 6.7 to 7.3. So already, even, even one-on-one with my patients, there's a certain amount of inherent variation that is both value-based, cultural, you know, negotiated, and, and everything else, and that's the that's part of you know my DNA, and that's part of the the, the the pedigree of the healthcare system. So that when you start rolling that kind of perspective up into clinical guidelines, how clinics should be run, how do you how do you set healthcare policy, uh, a certain amount of practice variation is inevitable. I think you know that, and 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 once again. You know, when it comes to, you know, the ascertainment of quality, what works for a Latino population in the, in the border towns of Texas isn't necessarily um, uh, a template or a model for what you want to do in Minnesota or northern New York or the suburbs of Philadelphia or down in, down in Alabama where there's, there's different disease burdens, uh, different perspectives, different delivery systems, Involving different doctors with with different practice styles, and um, you know, ultimately, it'd be nice if there were some uniformity out there. But I think, I, you know, I I'm I'm a believer in in you know a, you know the thousand flowers metaphor is um, a vision for for healthcare that is more inclusive, more flexible, and more organic and more adaptive. Well, well said, and I hate to say that we're a minute out from our live broadcast. Where did the time go? Uh, Where did the time go? Yeah, where did the time go? So much to talk about. May I extend an invitation to to, to reschedule with you because we really didn't get an opportunity to drill into the ACO market the way I would like to. Is Is that... the possibility that'd be great and you know this this was so last minute that uh, thanks to this conversation um, I'm going to reformulate my thoughts a little bit more so I hope that uh, you and your and the, and the and the thousands of listeners uh, on this phone call <laughs> right. get a more coherent picture of what it is that I'm trying to communicate here 
Well, there you have it. We're going to reschedule Dr. Jan Sidoroff on this week in Accountable Gear. Thank you for being agile today and coming in at the last moment. My apologies for the technical glitches. You've been listening to This Week in Accountable Care. I'm your host, Rick Master. So we'll do this next week. Please join us then, 12 noon Pacific time. Greg Master saying bye now. Thanks, Thanks, Jan. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.